You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles with you, let's go to Romans chapter 7. We'll be there in just a moment. Uh, As Greg just mentioned, we're in a series entitled Think, because how we think determines how we live. And so our thought life, our mind is so very vital and important as we try to relate to others, as we try to understand and grow closer to Christ. This is one of the most important facets of our life. And so uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been saying things like if if we think uh, bad things are gonna happen, we're usually gonna see those bad things. If we think good things are about to happen, we're gonna see those good things as well. Last week I said nothing is different until you think different. So we looked at how we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit, how we must uh, set our minds on our new identity in Christ. And so we are being intentional about where our mind goes instead of just letting it wander and go wherever it wants to go. Instead of just reacting to, to life, we're being intentional in life. And so um, today we're gonna shift gears a little bit. And, and I just wanna ask you this question this morning. What do you want most in your life today? What is, what is the number one thing in your life that you would say, I need blank? What is your number one desire? The thing in your life that must change. The thing in your life that has to change. If this doesn't change, then, then your life in one, two, three, five years from now is, is gonna be ruined. What is the one thing that you want today most. I think when we begin to think about what we want most, we can then begin to identify some of the habits in our life that we need in order to gain whatever it is we want most, because our habits uh, really uh, establish those results in our life. And so when you think about it, when you woke up this morning, uh, what did you do first? Uh, Did you get in the shower? Did you brush your teeth? Did you get a cup of coffee? When you put your shoes on, did you put your left shoe on first or your right shoe When you drove to church this morning, what roads did you take to get here? Uh, After church today, where where are you going to go eat and and what are you going to order? Are you going to order the double bacon cheeseburger or are you just going to get the double cheeseburger, hold the bacon today? Um, When when you put your kids to bed tonight, what are you going to say to them? How are you going to do that? Uh, When you say goodnight to your spouse tonight, how are you going to do that? What are you going to say and what's that interaction like? You see, when we think about these questions, when we begin to answer these questions, we begin to identify some of the patterns, some of the habits in our life. You see, I believe that most of the choices we make today are determined by the habits that we've developed. Um, Charles DeHigg wrote a book entitled The Power of Habit, and he says this, and I quote, each habit means relatively nothing on its own, but over time, the meals we order, what we say to our kids each night, whether we spend or save, how often we exercise, and the way we organize our thoughts and routines have enormous impacts on our health, our productivity, our financial security, and our happiness. I tend to agree with him. Uh, Duke uh, did a research um, in 2006, and here's what their survey and research showed them. They said, and and they discovered that more than 40% of the actions people performed each day weren't actually decisions, but they were habits. 40% of our day is just 
based on our habits, not because we thought about what we were going to do. Think about it like this. When you get home from work, where do you put your car keys? Throw them on the counter, you throw them on the little deal right there or the little hook or whatever you've got established. You know, you always put your keys usually in the same place. If you don't have that habit, you're probably always looking for your keys. <laughs> you're, you're losing your keys all the time. And so, so when you have that habit established, when you get home from work, you don't have a 20-minute creative session. Where should I put my keys today? Well, let me get the whiteboard out here. I could put it here and X, Y, and Z, and here's a step and step. And you don't, you don't do that 20-minute creative session when you get home from work. You just put your keys down. Your brain doesn't even think about it. You don't even think about it. Why? Because it's a habit. And so our brains neurologically, they crave, our brains crave habits because it's less thinking and it's just, it's just motion. We just respond and, and do these things out of a habit that has been created. At one point, we were all consciously making these decisions, where to put our keys, uh, what, what kind of food we were going to eat how productive or what we were going to do at work. We were thinking about this, how much we wanted to grow in Christ. But over time, those thoughts kind of led into a habit and then those habits take control. So when you go to work, you're not thinking, how can I be productive today? You're just doing your normal routine and you do this, you do that, you check your email now and then you go to this meeting and, and you just kind of form those habits in your life. Scientists and researchers are showing that uh, how we develop habits are just a natural consequence of how our brain actually works. I want to show you a quick little um, uh, uh, habit loop. This is what Charles de Higgs shows in his book. And here's how he says habits are formed. He says, the first thing that happens is a cue. The cue is the visual. It's the trigger. When you see that, you're reminded. It triggers next the routine. So the routine is the behavior that you do. And that behavior leads to... The reward. Once you experience the reward, you go back. The next time you see the cue, you experience the cue, the visual, you, you, you do the behavior, you get rewarded again. You do this loop enough and your brain will develop a craving for this. Once you develop a craving in your brain, neurologically, you have formed and established a habit. Think of it like this. Um, for, for those that smoke, their cue might be I see a pack of cigarettes or I see somebody else smoking. I see the cue, that's the trigger that alerts my brain to the behavior or the routine, which is myself pulling out a cigarette, lighting up and smoking. That's the behavior. When I smoke, I inhale the chemicals and the nicotine. The nicotine rushes to my brain. The brain gives me the sensation of relaxation and focus. That's the reward. You do that enough and over time, your brain will start craving the reward of the relaxation and the sensation of focus from the nicotine. You do that enough and you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a habit, unhealthy habit at that. But every single habit that you've established in your life, I think will, will follow the same basic routine until you establish that craving and then boom, you've got your habit. I could give you several examples of what that looks like, but, but as we think about this, I think the good news is that every habit that you and I currently have, we can change. We have the power to break. If there are good habits out there that you want to begin, you have the power to overcome them. And that is the great news that we see in the Bible. And it's the great news that even scientists and, and researchers are actually teaching us today. Have you ever looked at someone and have you ever just, just thought, man, I wish I had a marriage like that? 
or I wish I had a financial situation uh, like they have. I wish my kids acted like that or I wish they had that dynamic. Uh, I wish our family had the dynamics that that family has. See, oftentimes all we can see are the results of someone's life. We see the big picture of a marriage and in front of us, they talk to each other well, it looks great, they look like they love each other and they enjoy being around each other, which would be a plus for many of us, you know, if we could just get there, you know. You know, their kids act a certain way and you're like, man, I wish our kids acted like that. You know, financially, it looks like everything's put together. So we see the big result, but here's what I want you to focus on today. The big results that we see are a result of small habits that people develop in their life that lead to the big habits. So if you're taking notes, this is the first point I want you to write down. This is the main idea. It's the small habits that no one sees that leads to the big results that everyone wants. So when you go back to that first question that I asked today, what's the number one thing that you want in your life, whether it be relationally or financially or spiritually or health-wise, what is that thing that you want? In order to reach that thing that we want, it's important that we begin to think through the small habits that we must create now in order to reach those goals. Because we're not just going to grasp the big goal without developing the discipline of small habits. Now, Super Bowl is tonight. You guys are pumped about the Super Bowl. How many of you are pumped about the actual game? Let me see your hands. All right. How many of you are pumped about the commercials Twice as many, all right? Some of you guys just watched for the commercials, but we see these two teams, the Patriots and the Seahawks, and everybody wants to win their division and wants to go to the Super Bowl. That's the big result, to be the champion. But to get to the championship level, I think we would all agree that these teams have developed something in their life that some of the other teams maybe did not, which was intentionality, uh, discipline. It was the small discipline habits in practice, how they eat, how they treat each other, how they respond and and work together as a team. All these small habits have led to this ability to win games, win the championship of their division, and now get to play in the Super Bowl. So no matter what we want in life, whether it's a godly marriage, or I want to get into God's word and create that as a habit in my life, that's the one thing I really know I need to begin. It will need to start with smaller habits that lead us to that point. For instance, for a godly marriage, maybe date nights are a small habit that you instill at least once a month. No kids, you hire babysitters, you jump, dump them off at your your parents' house and you go out just you and her together. That's a great habit to establish. Or maybe it's the habit of asking good questions on a monthly basis. So you've got a list of questions that as a, as a married couple, you're going through. Honey, how, what, what am I doing that, I can, that I'm not doing well or, or that I'm, I'm, I'm not fulfilling a certain need in your life? How could I do better? How could I be a better husband? Trust me, you ask that question on a regular basis, you'll get some answers. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get some advice, you know? And that, that's a small little conversation that could lead to an argument, granted, or... If you're wise, it could lead to change, but that's a small habit that could change the way that you think. And so here's, here's the next point. In order to understand small habits, you have to understand that small habits require discipline. Oh, we're scared of that word discipline, aren't we? I mean, we're, we're all a little intimidated because none of us think that we're disciplined, but there are many disciplined people here today and, and we see the results of that discipline and we look and we say, 
man, I wish I had that. Uh, all of us have maybe at one point or another thought, you know, I want to be successful this year and I want to start working out. And so Monday you start working out and you're a little sore on Tuesday, but you say, you know what, I'm feeling good. I'm going to do it on Tuesday and Tuesday comes and it happens. And then Wednesday shows up and you're like, man, my shoulder, it's a little sore today. I think I'll take a rest day. I don't want to injure anything. I, my, my doctor, you know, I don't want to injure, so I'm going to take a, a day off. And so Wednesday goes by, you don't work out. Thursday comes, it's like, is it cloudy? It's cloudy out there. It's a little overcast. I don't, I don't, it's a little dangerous out there. So I'm not going to go out today either. Before you know it, you started out with momentum. By the end of the week, you lost all your momentum. You decided that you were going to begin to eat healthy. And so Monday came around and you changed your diet. And Tuesday, you were going strong. Wednesday was awesome. Thursday was awesome. Friday showed up. The kids had practice. One of the kids had a game. You got off from work late and you were running around town. And, and before you know it, the golden arches were calling your name. Next thing you know, you supersized it once again. And you started out with momentum, but you lost momentum. What's the difference between someone who can hold that willpower, who can, who can discipline themselves, not just on Monday and Tuesday, but on Friday and then next week and the next week? Well, research is actually showing that willpower is like a muscle. And the more we exercise willpower in our life, uh, the stronger our wills can become. Um, has anybody ever Googled the marshmallow test? Anybody ever seen that? Uh, Google that. It's pretty funny. It's a bunch of kids who um, they're, they're tested. They, they give them a marshmallow. These are like five, six, seven-year-old kids. And so they give them a marshmallow and they say, you can have this marshmallow now, but I'm going to leave. And if you don't eat it, I'll bring you back a second marshmallow. And so this was done in the early 60s, um, and, and so many have been done since. But it's interesting because all these kids, they're like staring at this marshmallow, and they're like, oh, I want to eat this thing so bad. But she said she was going to give, you know, come back and give me another marshmallow. So it's this inner turmoil in their life, this decision of what am I going to do right now? And some of the kids, they, they hold off, and then they get a second marshmallow after 10 minutes. Or some of them just flat out, they just go for it, and they eat it. You know, they couldn't stand it. What they, what they discovered in, in the 60s, uh, several years later, they, they went to these same kids that they tested. And as they were graduating high school, they found that the kids that had willpower in the earlier days actually had a higher IQ. They had higher ACTs. Um, they were more well-liked or more popular, so to speak, in their schools. And, and so they were more successful and so th this, this concept is, is just blowing, you know, people's minds. And today, as I've said last week, more and more research has been done on the brain. And so um, what they're saying is that willpower is actually something that we can grow in and, and be strengthened in as we tell ourselves no to things and, and see that there is value in staying away from other things. And so it's, it's, it's critical that we understand this. And so as we move forward today, let me give you a definition of discipline. Um, and this isn't something I created, but I found this and I thought it was is really helpful. So discipline is this. It's simply choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Discipline is, is choosing between what I want now and what I want most. And so if I want a healthy lifestyle, I want to eat healthy, I want to be physically active, and so I want to be in shape, okay? That's what I want most. Then what I want now, double bacon cheeseburger, may not be, probably is not the best choice for me if I'm disciplined enough to think about what I want 
most. I want to eat the apple, but the powdered donuts, they just call my name, you know? And so are we going to have the discipline and the willpower to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to the things that we want even more? Well, when we look at the Bible, we see um, some, some truth today in Romans 7 that encourages me because Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, uh, one of the greatest leaders the church has ever seen, he struggled with this same thing. Maybe not powder donuts and, you know, McDonald's, but he struggled with discipline. And so his struggle encourages me and, and gives me some, some, some strength uh, as I move forward in my walk with Christ. And so I hope it will as you, uh, with you as well. So let's look at verse 15 of chapter 7. He says this, For I do not understand my own actions. <laughs> I can just stop right there. How many of you have ever said, I just don't get myself. I just don't know why I'm doing this. I, I, I don't get my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Hands in the room. Let me see him. Who would say, I have been there. I have done that. I do not understand myself. I don't do what I want to do. And I do the very thing that I hate. The thing that I said I was never going to do, I did it again. Verse 16, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So <clears throat> here's the thing that's happening in his life. He's understanding that his sin nature is leading him to do the things that he does not want to do. All right, that's, that's, that's important that we understand that. The sin nature that each of us has leads us away from God. It leads us away from the things that are healthy for us and leads us to the things that are unsuccessful uh, for our life, either relationally or, or even physically. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Well, there's an honest statement if you've ever read one. That there is nothing good that dwells in you. Have you accepted that in your own life? He clarifies, that is, in my flesh. In other words, there is nothing good <clears throat> in me that is my flesh. There, there, there is nothing fleshly in me or, or, or sinful in me. My sinful nature. There's nothing good in me. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. This is an aha moment for me. Maybe it is for some of you today. Some of you will begin to be set free from the sin that is keeping you a slave today, captive from your thoughts. You do not have the ability to overcome the thing that you are trying to change today. See, you do not have the ability on your own to change the sin in your life the bad habits in your life, the problems that you are experiencing, you don't have the ability to change on your own. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. He restates it himself. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. As soon as I want to do the right thing, I want to eat healthy, evil lies right at hand. Dagum Dunkin' Donuts was built a mile from my house. <clears throat> you know, evil lies right around 
the corner. Your wife says something that ticks you off. Your immediate instinct is I shouldn't respond with, with anger and evil for evil or, or an eye for an eye. And, and, and evil is right there. I want to say this. I want to respond in the good way. But man, I had a good one-liner and I just nailed it. I want to do right, but evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being in my inner being, in my soul, I want to do the right thing, he says. But I see the members, or, or my body, in my members, in my body, in my mind. Another law waging war against the law of my mind. See, the battlefield is right here. The battlefield in your marriage is not that she needs to change, guys. It's right here in your own mind. The battlefield at work is not how people are treating you or what's going on and somebody's doing this and there's drama and they don't pay you enough and, and you should have got the promotion and not him. The battle is right here in your mind. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So the idea of a stronghold that we talked about a couple weeks ago these thoughts that come into our mind, we begin to believe them. We become a slave to those thoughts. We become a slave to that sin in our life. And he says, said, I want to do well. I want to do the right thing. I want to go God's will. That's my inner desire. But at the same time, I keep messing up. This is the law of sin that, that keeps me captive. And verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am. That's some honesty. I'm pathetic. You know, I, I am just, have you ever been to a place of humility where you just, said, you know what, I'm a, I'm a bad dude, you know. I'm, I'm a pitiful, pitiful man. Who will deliver me from this body of death? In other words, okay, I don't have the ability to do this on my own. I don't have the strength, the knowledge, the willpower. I don't have anything in me on my own to overcome this. I do not have the ability. I'm a pathetic man, so what do I do? What's the answer? How do I overcome this? And he gives us the answer in verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, Jesus is your answer. Some of you have been trying to change for many years now. Some of, some of the people in your life have been trying to change you for many years now. But you keep running the habit loop of this bad habit, acting the same way, rewarding yourself, thinking that everything is great, thinking you're the better man or the better person, when really, it's all right here in your mind. You're not living in reality. It really is your fault that you are where you are. And you can't overcome this on your own. But praise God, through Jesus, you can. You see, it's through Jesus that you can change. It's through the Spirit of God living in you that you overcome those habits. It's through the power of Christ within you, setting your mind on the Spirit, setting your mind on your new identity, identity in Christ, that you can overcome these strongholds, that you can overcome this sin in your life, that you can change the way that you respond when people make you mad. You can change the way that you live your life at night. You can change the way that you deal with your kids when it's time to put them to bed. You can change, not on your own ability, with the help and power of Jesus living within you. You see, for too many Christians, they are living their life in their own strength and their own power, thinking that I can do this on my own. Not confessing that I'm, I'm a wretched man, I can't do this on my own. 
They don't start there. They, they, they figure they can figure it out on, the, on their own and, and kind of do life on their own and kind of, kind of just go through the motions. Well, how's that working for you? It's not working so well. The battleground is in our mind. It begins with the, the, this, this evil that, that has, it's just in our nature, this sin nature. The battle between the spirit and sin does not cease at conversion. It actually begins so on one level, it's a good thing that we are experiencing this, this battle. If we're not experiencing this battle of I'm doing things that I don't wanna do, then we're not in the battle. You're just accepting sin in your life. And so it's a very real thing if you're like, man, I wish I wasn't experiencing that. No, 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 you should be experiencing that. Some of you thought if you started coming to church that, that everything at home would smooth out and everything would be grand. But, but initially, that's just your first step into the battle. You thought small group or counseling or whatever was gonna just be easy, but no, that's where the battle begins. Before that, you weren't even really fighting against evil. You were just fighting each other. And so when we are converted, when we accept Christ into our life, this battle in our mind really, truly begins. Um, some of you are like, man, this sounds great, Trent. Yes, by the power of Jesus, we're gonna... We're gonna, we can do this. We're gonna choose what we want most over what we want now. It all sounds lovely, but you're a pastor, Trent. You know, you glow in the dark. You know, you're super spiritual and discipline is just easy for you. And I'm, on the contrary, those who know me, I'm not naturally a very disciplined person. I mean, I like junk food just like the next person. I can eat a whole bag of powdered donuts without even blinking. I, I, and I love them. Um, when my kids are fighting and arguing, Instead of, you know, doing the godly spiritual thing and like disciplining somebody, I would much rather just tell them to go out in the front yard and fight. And, you know, don't bother me unless there's blood, you know. Figure it out. Game's on, you know. It's my tendency. It's my, it's my nature. But by the power of Christ, I can begin to change and I can begin to become more disciplined and, and get up and be engaging and active with my family, even, even when a good game is on. <laughs> uh, Charles Duhigg in his book, Power of uh, Habits, he talks about keystone habits. And so understanding keystone habits is important for us because what he calls a keystone habit, it's a habit that begins to have a ripple effect in all areas of our life. And so when you think about it, you can, you can begin to, to envision this. I'll just use the, the exercise analogy because it's so easy. Um, when we begin to exercise, it has a ripple effect into all areas of our life. And so when, when we exercise, we tend to think more about what we're eating. So if you go to the gym in the morning and you work out by lunchtime, instead of eating the double bacon cheeseburger, you're kind of thinking through, man, I just worked out. Uh, I think I'll go with a you know, grilled chicken or a salad or something a little bit healthier. Instead of the soda, I'm gonna drink water. Um, because you worked out, you're more likely to be a little bit more fatigued and tired at night. And so you'll go to bed on time instead of staying up uh, you know, into the wee hours of the evening. Um, when you work out, it releases endorphins and endorphins make us happy and happy people don't kill people, right? And so, um, we, so, so what we do when we go to work is you know, we're not so angry and we're not so upset and we're not so short with people because our body is physically kind of released some of that stress and some of that, that tension. And so, so exercising really does affect everything in our life. Now, me personally, I've experienced this. I would say that, that one of my main keystone habits um, is exercise. And, and keystone habits, I would also say this, going to church is a keystone habit. It affects everything. 
Reading God's word affects everything. Um, joining a small group begins to check, uh, change everything and has ripple effects all throughout our, our life. And so um, th- th- these, are, these are huge. And so for me, exercise is a big deal. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I did something different um, that really changed a lot of things in my life. And I, I began to play basketball in the mornings uh, at 5.30, so super early in the morning. And at first, I just hated the idea of that uh, because I'm naturally a, a night owl um, all throughout my life, even as a kid. I was staying up late and, you know, as a kid watching TV as I got older, you know, just reading and, and uh, either studying late because of, of seminary or whatever. And, and just kind of what I was naturally doing, get a few hours of sleep, get up and go, go at it again. And so obviously that's unhealthy. And so what getting up early did, it began to affect my sleep habits because now I, you know, I've got to sleep. I'm tired. I'm getting up the crack of dawn. And so it changed my, my sleep patterns. It also changed how I thought about exercise because now as I was beginning to get more and more in shape, I thought, man, I need to get to the gym and work out a little bit. And so I began to do that twice a week. And so uh, that, that began to establish in my life. And so my diet actually began to change. I used to be a Cokeaholic. I mean, I used to drink Coke all the time until I kind of learned more about it and realized, you know, some of the side effects and things like that. And so, so now, you know, um, I, I, I hardly ever, if ever, do I. And so I'm more of a water guy or, you know, tea, that kind of thing. And so even, even kind of my eating habits began to change. And so um, it, it changes everything. When I exercise, I'm, I'm less likely to be irritable with my family. Um, because it, it, I, I release some of the stress that's in my life physically, um, it's, it's a good stress reliever. And so um, all of these different things uh, happen just because I decided uh, to get up. Now, one of the great things that we're going to learn next week about establishing habits is this idea of accountability in our life, because accountability is huge. And so I get up and go to the, go to the gym to play ball because there's nine other guys that if I don't come, they're going to be ticked off at me, you know, they're going to be mad. And so they're counting on me. So, so I go. The cue for me, every night before I go is I set out all my clothes that I'm going to wear, my, my shoes, everything um, is right there in a neat little pile. And so the last thing I see when I go to bed is uh, my, my clothes sitting out. So I know that's the cue. My routine is to get up and go play ball. Um, and then the reward is something that we have to really uh, uh, think through. Now, for me, if I, if, if I go and I work out, my reward is that I get a smoothie. You know, every time I get a smoothie, that way when I'm putting weights on the barbell and I'm like, I really don't want to be here, I'm thinking, well, at least I get a smoothie, you know. It doesn't sound very manly, but yeah, there's protein in there, all right. There's protein, it's, it's, it's you know, very, very, very good for us, you know. And so, um, you know, I'm thinking about the reward. Now, oftentimes when we try to start a new habit, we don't think about the reward. We think, well, I just got to do this just because, because I love Jesus or just because it's good for me. But actually, neurologically, you know, these researchers are saying that our brain needs a reward, and so um, when we see the cue, maybe the clothes are set out. My routine is to go work out. And after I work out, my brain needs a reward. And so I reward myself. Maybe it's a little, you know, a little chocolate thing, you know, if you're a chocolate, you know, person. And so you eat a little chocolate, it's like, boom, I did it. I deserve that. I worked hard and now I'm rewarded. And, and so as you develop that, you'll want that less and less as a reward. But that's what begins to establish that into our life. And so these are, these are really important. Now, if I don't play basketball, if I don't get up and I don't go, that's going to mean that I more than likely won't go to the gym the other two days. Or, you know, I'm not going to go to sleep on time, which means I'm going to uh, stay up late, maybe potentially oversleep, which means that when I wake up in the morning, I don't have time to get into God's word. So I'm rushing to work because I didn't work out and I rushed to work. I'm not living in the spirit. I'm living in the flesh. And so I'm short with the guys I work with. 
I'm kind of irritable with them and I make them mad, which means I'm, I'm less productive during the day, which means I got to stay a little bit later and think a little bit harder. And so if I stay a little bit later, that's going to make my wife Micah upset because she's at home waiting for me. And so I'm rushing home because I know she's waiting for me. So I'm speeding home. I'm breaking the law. I'm cutting people off in traffic. I cut off the wrong guy. He has road rage. We start arguing. We get out in the parking lot. We start fighting. The police show up, take me to jail, and Fiddle's church is ruined. Now, whew, all because I didn't get up and go play ball. Now, I'm obviously exaggerating, but there's so many there's so many true statements, little nuggets of truth throughout that. You know, the irritability, staying late, less productive, making our wives upset. All that stuff is a part of decisions, little decisions that we make. You know, to hit the snooze button or to get up like a champion, you know? How many of you would be conf- confess today and say, I am a snooze hitter? Anybody want to say I'm a snooze hitter? Yeah, you did the snooze, it's so, it just feels so right. You know, it feels so good when you hit the snooze button. Um, but, but obviously, as we dis, understand keystone habits and, and realize this, it, it can begin to give us that willpower to get up and, and to begin to, to, to run the race that God has called us to. So let me, let me close with some practical help here. Let's flip over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, there was a race um, in the first century here um, in this area that everybody would have been aware of. It, it was, it was uh, second only to the Olympics. And so it was called the Ifmion. And, and everybody would have known about this race. And this race was something that they would select these athletes and they would uh, train vigorously for. They would, uh, for at least 10 months, they would go on a strict diet. They wouldn't drink alcohol. They wouldn't eat junk food. And they would exercise every single day. Um, uh, for, for those 10, 10, 11 months or so. They would exercise and work out in extreme heat and, and extreme cold, so their bodies would be trained for this. Uh, they were so passionate and serious about this race that they didn't want anything to entangle them or to, to uh, hold them back from running their, their, their extreme hardest so that they would run naked. They would strip down and run naked. Now, Praise God, we're not, we don't have those races anymore. Uh, would not be watching that. So, so, so they were so passionate though that everybody would have known about this race. And so as Paul begins to talk about uh, the, the spiritual race that, it, that, that we are called to as believers, it would have made complete sense to them. So keep that in mind. Verse 24, he says this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? There's only one winner. So run that you may obtain it. Obtain what? The prize. Paul is telling us to run our life in such a way to win the prize. All right? So if you have any, a single competitive bone in your body, you're already getting jacked up right now. Your, your posture is changing right now. Did he just say win? Oh, I'll win, you know. And so you, you wait, Rocky is the theme song, you know, when you wake up in the morning. It's like dun, 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 dun. You're out of bed and you're like, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to win, right? He says, I want you to run to win the prize. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control. Oh, we don't like that word. Self-control, discipline. I want what I want. I want what's comfortable, I want what tastes really good, you know? I don't want to think about what I want most. I just want what I want right now. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. A perishable wreath. So in this race that I was mentioning, the winner would get the prize of some branches and leaves and put on their head. Literally, a wreath. Now we have a wreath that we put on our front door at Christmas time. I don't care anything about that wreath. My, my wife loves the wreath. Um, I, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. It's a perishable prize. That's what they're running for. But we race for an imperishable prize. What's our prize? See, we're living for the glory of God. We have eternal rewards. We're living a life on purpose, on mission, because God has gifted us. God has given us a mission to make disciples. He's blessed us and given us talents and resources to accomplish this mission. So we're not just living life aimlessly. We have a purpose. Verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly. (laughs) In other words, I'm not running, you know, without a purpose here. I do not box as one beating the air. I'm not shadow boxing an invisible, like non-existent fake enemy. I've got a very real enemy and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy my life. And he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He'll do everything he can to steal your children away from you. He'll do everything he can to wreak, wreak havoc in every area of your life. So he's a very real enemy. So we're not like shadow boxing here, beating the air. Verse 27, But I, this is how I overcome this. This is how I enter this battle. This is how I win the race. This is how I win the eternal prize. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. My body, my sin, my flesh wants to live out of control. It wants to eat food that's unhealthy. It wants to sleep and be lazy. It wants me to get back people that hurt me to think badly about people that I don't like. It wants me to make fun of people that aren't like me. It wants me to avoid people that aren't like me. My flesh wants me to do a certain thing. It will pull me away from the things of God. But I discipline my body. I keep it in control because I have a purpose and I'm running my race for an imperishable prize which is the glory of Jesus Christ. And I keep it under control. You see, some of us, our motivation for exercise is to have a better body. I need some abs, you know? It's like the reason why some of us never stick to the exercise routine is because your motivation is weak. A better body is not gonna do it for you. My motivation for exercise goes much deeper. I'm a steward. I'm I'm a manager of what God has given to me. He's given me a physical body, and so I need to manage it well. I need to manage my health well. My motivation is not a better body. I already got a a great wife. I don't need to attract anybody else, right? It's not my intentions. Back in the earlier days it was, but praise God, I've matured through that, right? And so now my motivation is, is to bring glory to God. And then the benefits of that is when my kids get older, I'll be able to run and gun a little bit more with them. Um, hopefully avoid heart disease. Hopefully, you know, avoid some of the other diseases, some things I can't control, 
right? Some things are out of my control, and so I'm not going to worry about that, but I'm going to do my part uh, to, to manage my body well. That means I have to change the way I think. That means I've got to create some habits in my life to make that happen. Spiritually, God has given me this life. And so if I'm going to grow spiritually, there are some spiritual habits that I need to begin to develop. Why? Because God has given me this one life. I don't get a second chance. It is a very short life. I don't have a lot of time to, to mess around. I have a lot of time to waste. As a matter of fact, before I even figured this stuff out, I did waste a lot of my life. And so now I've got a lot of time to make up for, but I'm running a race on purpose now. I'm running the race through the power of Jesus Christ. My motivation is glory and honor to Jesus, not self-promotion. It's to lift up the name of Jesus. So I'm gonna run this race well. When you get this, you decide I'm choosing what I want most over what I want now. You start saying, you know what? Instead of the, the financial temptation that I'm going to accept, uh, I'm gonna choose what I want most, which is to get out of debt. So I'm gonna say yes to loving my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm gonna say yes to raising my children to become the next generation of world changers. When I wake up, I'm gonna say the power of God is living inside of me and I'm gonna glorify him today. The spirit of God leads me in all that I do. I am weak, my flesh is weak, but he is strong. I want what's convenient. I want what's easy. I want what helps me feel good. But even more than that, I wanna bring glory to God because Christ dwells within me. He will give me the power to choose what matters most over what I want now. It's not by my power, it's by his power. So week one, I said, write a habit down, put it on a post-it note, put it in the lobby. That's your cue. Do that at home. You know, maybe through the course of the last few weeks, you've changed the thing that you need most. God's laid something different on your life. That's all right, change it. Put it back up there, change it, put it at home. Let that be your cue. Let that be the trigger that reminds you that there is something, there is a goal, there is something out there that God told you to do. And you need to be reminded about that. And you need to think through, here's the challenge today. What's the routine? What's the behavior? What's the discipline that you must do now? that you must create in order to establish a habit in your life to get you to the point that you get what ultimately you feel like God wants to do most in your life. So you've got the word, week one. Last week we said, um, uh, we, no, week one was the habit, what do we need to quit or start? Week two was, was the word that's gonna help us think about this all year long and keep us, keep us kind of focused on that, We're gonna bring it to our mind's attention all the time. Today is what's the habit? What, what's the discipline that you have to do? Maybe it's to read your Bible. And so you're gonna read your Bible with a group of people. And then the reward after you read through a book of the Bible is to go have a big steak dinner to you know, gather together and, and go do something fun together. So that's your reward as a group. If you want some, what, what is it that you want most in life? You've gotta think about the discipline that you need to begin today. For some of you, it's gonna be a date night. You know, as a married couple, you, you, you need a date night, no kids, just you, to, you guys to connect. That's an easy, simple uh, habit to establish that's gonna lead you in the direction of what you want most. Uh, maybe you need to pick a Bible reading plan to help you get focused on what God wants you to do. Maybe you've gotta stop him pawing around and, and put God first in your finances and, and trust him financially. You wanna get control of your finances? You become a good steward of what God has given to you. Here's how it works. Give God the first 10%. Give yourself the next 10%. Spend the rest. It's pretty simple. We usually spend everything that we have 
And then we spend about 10% more than what we have and put it on credit cards and live in debt our whole life. That's not good stewardship. Get out of debt, okay? Focus on being generous and giving God what he uh, desires and asks you to give. And stop spending money you don't have. Pretty simple when you think about it, but you've developed a bad habit. A bad habit of swiping (laughs) and not thinking about the bill that comes every month. You've got to change the way you think. Some of you, maybe you're going to clean your pantry out and get rid of all the Twinkies and the chips when you get home. Your kids are going to be ticked. Oh, they're going to hate you, you know, because they don't understand about calories and high cholesterol yet. All they know is they, it just tastes so good, you know. That's all they get. But you're going to fight for what you want most in their life. Maybe you've got to clear out all the devices in your, in your house, and so your kids are on devices and games, and you're on games and devices all night. Nobody talks to each other, and everybody's neck is going to be bent down like this by the time they're 30 because you look down all the time. Maybe you need to start praying with your kids before they go to bed. And it's just a simple habit, you know, where you're reading through the Bible, a kid's Bible or whatever Bible, and you're praying with them every night, and that's a habit that you establish. And yeah, that means you've got to get out of your chair, yeah, you got to push pause on the TV. Back in the day, you couldn't even push pause. You had to miss it. Now, you can push pause and go do what you got to do and come down and you don't even miss anything. I mean, it's so much more convenient for you. Surely, we can take some time to develop a habit like that with our kids. I, I don't know what God's calling you to do. Those are just a few examples. But I know that there's change that needs to take place in you because just like me, there's sin in my life. There's sin in your life. God's calling me to change things. He's calling me to think differently about things. And it's, it's not easy, but it's so beneficial. It's so freeing when I can let go of old habits and let go of old ways of thinking and embrace the new way of thinking that God has for me. Let's pray and ask God's blessing um, in, in his direction this morning as we close. And as we do, I wanna pray for some of you. How many of you would say, Trent, as you talk and, and as I've been here the last few weeks, God just spoke to me and, and there is definitely at least one area of my life that God is singling out that I need to change. How many of you would say, pray for me this morning, just lift up your hands all over the room. How many of you would say, there, there, is, there is a habit that I have to break because it is, it's ruining me. It's ruining relationships and family. How many of you would say, pray for me today? Lift up your hands all over, all over. How many of you say there's a habit that I want to begin because I know the benefits and I, I can just see it and I want to experience and that's what I want most and, and so would you pray for me today? I need to start something. Who, who would say that? All over. We're going to ask God's blessing to give us motivation here and that motivation is going to come from the Spirit and it's going to come with willpower, and it's going to come with a lot of pain, and it's going to be frustrating. But at the end of the day, when you can rise up in the morning like a champ and do the things that God has led you to do, ah, it's going to be beautiful. You're going to feel better. You're going to speak better. Your relationships will be better. Your productivity at work is going to be better. Your life is going to be transformed not on your own strength, but only by the strength of the Spirit of God living within you. Let's pray. Father, as we lift up our hands, we know you're here. We, we recognize that you're working and moving in our, in our spirit and in our life. Lord, I truly believe that there are people in this room that want change. 
I truly believe, God, that they truly want to experience you on a deeper level. And so I pray that the Spirit of God would motivate us like never before, that you would give us the willpower and strength to overcome these things in our life, to begin these beneficial habits in our life, that we would experience you on a whole new level. We would experience a different way of thinking and a different relationship with you because ultimately we are running a race on purpose we are running a race to win and winning for us is bringing you glory winning for us is living the life that you have called us to live and experiencing life to the fullest and so we want that today and we pray for your guidance and your power and we pray this in Jesus name amen Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week as we continue with this series. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at 50